It's the TEH Podcast, episode number 173. I'm Leo Notenboom of AskLeo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenspeig from MacMost.com. It seems like it's been months. It's been a long time. I mean, it's been a while. I'm not sure how many weeks it actually is. It's been over a month for sure. Yeah, we both, I mean, there were travels for both of us. Right. And I got the uh, the dreaded COVID. <laughs> right. Which, so far, which put, I've been lucky. Put me yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, and I got it two weeks after getting my booster shot, too, which is right. unusual. But the, the thing was, is that I got hit, you know, everybody kind of gets their own, you know, it's, it's like an episode of Twilight Zone. You get hit with whatever your worst thing is. Uh, COVID seems to latch onto that. And I always suffer with, with colds and flus. I suffer so much sore throats my whole life. Ah, uh, right. So, right. of course, when I finally got COVID, COVID was like, oh, guess what you're getting? <laughs> you're getting, oh, you're going to get a, a you know, heck of a sore throat. So that was why I was like, there's, there's no way I can't, I can't right. talk for two seconds, let alone an hour. Right, right. Um, yeah. It's funny because I've, uh, I continue to, the best of my knowledge, remain a COVID virgin. Um, yeah, I have not yet had it, but um, I've had the sore throat without COVID. Uh, it's one of those things where uh, when I came back from my trip, mm -hmm. um, before I left, actually, before I before I left for the return trip, I was starting to feel a little bit congested and I was a little concerned that maybe I picked something up on the road. Uh, came back with a sore throat and, you know, congestion and so forth. But nope, test after test after test. It's all been negative. It's just been, you know, routine stuff. So yeah. I've been I've been kind of glad for that anyway. And so far, we haven't spread it to anybody here at home. So I've always yeah. wondered if I had it asymptomatically. But now I know for definitely I did not. <laughs> because well, I don't know if that's a definite or not. Because I, I mean, I, there's so many variations and so many yeah, things happening. So it really it felt it felt I mean, if you have to, like everybody says, you have to describe it, you know, right. oh, flu symptoms, right. but it was flu symptoms. But you know, that's like just describing any like, soda or pop drink as like Coca Cola. And then all of a sudden, you have grape soda. And you're like, okay, this is similar. <laughs> but it's definitely different. You know, this was the same thing. It's like, this is the, similar to the flu, but definitely I've never had this before and okay. it feels different. Yeah. So at least for me, it answered the question of, uh, did I have it asymptomatically? No, I did not. Right. Because, <laughs> so, well, I, I am, I continue to wonder if, if at some point in the last, I mean, what has it been now? Yeah, two and a, two and a half years? Um, that you may if have. I haven't, if I may not oh, have sure. had it asymptomatically, it's, there's just no way to know it without possibly expensive blood tests or whatever. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, the insurance won't cover um, just because I want to know. Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. They, they'll, they need a reason and I don't have a reason other than curiosity at this point. So. Cool. Well, anyway, well, that's, so yeah. So that, that was the, the, the bad reason why we skipped and the good reasons why we skipped were that we both went to interesting places. We did. It's funny. I was, I thought about it earlier this afternoon. I believe that while we were away, we were actually, for a moment, yeah, physically closer than we are right now. Yeah. And I don't mean just because, you know, you were in one country and I was in another. No, I believe that on the way to my country, I flew over yours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we were so, then probably like 10, 10 miles, 10 miles apart right, or something you, like you, that. Yeah, because you fly over <laughs> Iceland to get to Europe from Correct. most, I mean, most points. And I was probably, yeah, they are below somewhere exploring some sort of waterfall or something. So how was your trip? 
Uh, it was great. Uh, it seems like Iceland's the place to go. I, I so many people that I follow on social media, like people I don't know, but I follow them, have right. gone to Iceland in the last couple months. Friends of mine have gone to Iceland in the last couple months. It just and I went. It was just a random happenstance that got me there. Mm-hmm. It just seems to be the place to go. It's uh, it's beautiful there. It's very scenic. You know, so many waterfalls, so many lava fields, so many. Mm-hmm interesting you know the coastline everything like that so no lack of um of interesting stuff i took so many pictures i may have taken more pictures the six days i was in iceland than the you know 15 days i went to other countries in europe earlier in the year right um i am glad though that for the first time in years i actually brought my dslr you did camera with me at the last minute decided to grab it because i noticed the aurora forecast was looking good Oh, all right. And I wanted to have something where I could really, you know, a big lens that I could control the, the, you know, the everything. The everything's, and, yes. And I was rewarded immediately on the first night with beautiful Aurora and got tons of great photographs from that camera uh, of it, which was great because I saw the Aurora uh, many times back in the 90s when I had been in Alaska. Mm-hmm. But that was back in the film days. So uh. I would, you know, see it. It would be beautiful. I'd take like, two pictures which then like weeks <laughs> later i'd get developed you know so and then I'm surprised that a few of them turned out to be decent you know here i was finally able to photograph the aurora with uh you know a digital camera and and my iphone too and um see the results in real time and make adjustments and all of that so very cool was, it was really cool. did you stay mostly in reykjavik or did you travel around no i only stayed in reykjavik the last night Ah, okay. So we rented a cottage actually in the middle of, I wouldn't say it's the middle of nowhere. It's what passes for the suburbs for Iceland. I mean, you know, there are other houses around, uh, but it was, you know, total night sky darkness. That was the only clear night we had. So unfortunately, I didn't really ever get a chance to look at stars at night. But um, the, uh, yeah, you know, it's kind of in the middle of things. It was easy access to the various waterfalls and volcanoes and uh, other uh, you know, hikes and things like that. Uh, we were right in the middle of the, what's called the, uh, uh, what's it called? It's not called the ring. It's called like the golden circle, mm-hmm. which is like near Reykjavik, but it's like this area that you can just see so many things in. And we were right in the middle of it. So it's, it was kind of beautiful. I also brought technology wise, a drone because I got this cheap drone years ago mm-hmm. and uh, I got it as like a gift and I was like, this would be fun to play with. And of course, if I look, I live in a city, you can't fly it anywhere. I mean, right. people do still, but I don't, I'm not people. I, if there's <laughs> rules, I'm not going to do it. Right. So there's like, I live in the city, can't fly it, can't fly it here. And the, the parks have rules. The, the state parks have rules. There's airports everywhere with big circles drawn around them where you can't fly. It's like, forget it. I'm never flying the drone, right? right? So, but it's small and light. So I threw it in my bag because Iceland's kind of the opposite. It's right. pretty much, you could just fly it anywhere, which is quite true because when you get to actual things where there are lots of people like looking at a waterfall, there are signs that say no drones, which stopped almost nobody from flying drones. But, <laughs> but me, I didn't, but I did get to, you know, try it. And, um, this cheap little drone that doesn't really have good stabilization, doesn't have great cameras. Uh, and I got it off the ground and immediately the wind took it, flew it across two roads and crashed into the ground where I couldn't find it like immediately. (laughs) (laughs) I I was, it happened so fast and so comically 
that I got my money's worth of laughter out of it because I was just, <laughs> I was literally rolling on the ground laughing at how funny it was. It went, oh, it's up. Oh, it's going Oh, I lost contact and oh, it's gone. <laughs> okay. Jeez. Um, but I did actually find it okay. later and did actually somewhat successfully fly it. Uh, but the best shot I got and the one good flight I had was of me and my friend. Ah. It, it, I was trying to get the shot of like the horizon and all the scenery. Right. And that turned out not to be great. But for a moment, the camera turned back towards me and I got a nice aerial shot of us standing there by our, our rental car, which was kind of a nice like, oh, couldn't have gotten that any other way. Right. Um, so, you know, kind of kind of funny. It, it, it was enough to tell me definitively I, I'm not really interested in drones. Uh, right. Like I didn't really enjoy the whole, it's like compared to like holding a camera and like photographing what I'm seeing with my eyes that, you know, it, it, it the drone was not for me. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I, I'm probably in the same bucket just because there's a, there's a steep learning curve um, yeah. on drones, uh, not just, and a good one is relatively pricey still. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a steep learning curve. There's a lot, a lot of, uh, barriers to overcome a lot of practicing that's necessary i'm really just interested in the results right i want the yeah you know, the, the the process of flying uh a drone eh, yeah okay if i have to but what i really wanted the pictures so exactly it was and, actually my hope mm -hmm. because this thing was so cheap i just i didn't even want to bring it back like i'm okay if this thing crashes a few times and it's kind of broken and i'll just throw it away right. like i wanted to convert this drone into maybe a few minutes of aerial HD footage that I would have. Right. Like that was what I wanted to do. I failed at doing that because the cameras, this drone actually didn't record to itself. It sent it via Wi-Fi to the phone. Ew. Which lowered the quality and gave lots of rolling like shutter type effect. Right. Um, that made it pretty much like, oh, it's fun to look at, but it, it, this is not something I could ever use for right. anything. So um, yeah. So, you know, oh, well. Yeah. Well, cool. Any other uh, tech technological? I mean, we covered a lot of the technology stuff in your earlier yeah. trip this year. Any new surprises or changes or things that uh, that became apparent in this one? On on the trip, uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, no, you know, it was pretty. Uh, I I did not have to touch Icelandic cash ever. <laughs> I just used I used my phone just like in, uh, in you know Norway, Sweden, and Denmark right. earlier. Right. Um, definitely very, you know, uh, card and, and phone type payment situation thing. Um, so that was, that was good. And it, uh, and yeah, I mean, Iceland's kind of neat technologically, you know, they've got unlimited energy, which is kind of neat mm -hmm. geothermal and, uh, uh, hydroelectric covering everything. Matter of fact, I even spotted a shed at the bottom of a cliff where there were waterfalls. And I noticed that there was a pipe going down the side of the cliff into the shed and at the bottom of the shed, a stream came out of it. No, oh, well, yeah. And I was like, is that what I think it is? Is that, are they actually, is that like a tiny hydroelectric power generator? Probably. And a local confirmed for me yeah. that yes, that's the primary power source for whatever, the, you know, the buildings that are next to it, just, you know, it's glacier fed and it right. rains half the time there. That's that water never stops falling. That turbine never stops going. There's, no need for any other power source for electricity, easy, cheap, free. Yeah. And then of course, seeing all of the, the piping around the country for the, the hot water and having hot water provided to all the buildings, 
simply hot water and heat just from the hot water under the ground. Interesting. Was, I didn't realize was, they did that. Yeah, after all the buildings. So, you know, you have to, uh, first of all, you have to be careful because you turn the hot water on and you can get really hot water. Right. Like, you, you know, it's not not like, like in the U.S. where you could like pour hot water and wash your hands. And now you got to be careful. And uh, and the heat, too, it's like, hey, there's just hot water going through the radiators from under the ground. If you want it less than super hot, open a window, um, even though it's cold out. Right. Uh, and uh, and then also don't not not that it would have been bad, but, you know, you don't want to drink the hot water. Like if you want to make a cup of tea or coffee, use the cold water. That's the fresh water. Mm -hmm. That's going to taste better. Right. right. Than the hot water, you know, so heat up the cold water for drinking or cooking. Don't try to use the hot water coming out of the tap because that's going to have kind of that sulfury. I was going to ask, yeah, you know, taste or whatever to it that you probably don't want in your in your coffee or whatever it is you're making. Interesting. I didn't realize yeah. that was the case. That's very cool. Yeah. Well, I, on the other hand, went to the Netherlands for yes. eight days. Went to visit my cousin. Um, had a wonderful trip. Uh, it was interesting. Air airfares are weird. Uh, and I say that just because mm -hmm. they change almost capriciously with no rhyme or reason. Uh, when I went to book my flight, um, there's a, there is a direct flight from Seattle to Amsterdam. And uh, my preference, of course, would be to take the direct flight. But it also tends to be one of the most expensive alternatives for doing that travel. So while I was poking around, originally I was thinking I would make a stopover in, of all places, Iceland. But when I went to book hmm. my trip, for whatever reason, that wasn't available. I'm not sure what the deal was. Because uh, there is definitely a direct Seattle to, Iceland, or to Reykjavik as well. Yeah. But um, uh, what I found is that by adding one... Uh, stopover, one one ch uh, plane change, uh, all of a sudden the price got cut in half. Hmm. And I literally mean one as in on the way to Amsterdam, I went through Salt Lake City. And on the way back, I took the direct flight. Hmm. I don't understand airplane, air, aircraft, or uh, air, air, airfare. I just don't. Uh, uh, it was so strange. bizarre. Um, so, you know, I flew into Salt Lake City, uh, made my connection uh, the, because, of course, the, the the connecting flight was running late. Um, it was kind of funny because it was Salt Lake City to Amsterdam. And I, I think you've probably heard that uh, the Dutch are some of the tallest people right now. Mm -hmm. I, I would not have even have needed to know the gate. I just would have walked until I saw a bunch of tall people waiting for the plane. Huh. Because they were they were Dutch. It was clearly a bunch of Dutch people <laughs> waiting for the plane. Um, so yeah, it, the other thing that I was concerned about is that um, the airport in Amsterdam, Schiphol, um, they've been having a tremendous number of problems related to staffing shortages, um, both COVID-related, I think there's also some labor-related issues there as well. But they were running very short, especially when it came to uh, security and passport control. So, mm. and luggage handling. Uh, luggage handling is apparently a nightmare there right now. So my cousin advised me, if you can, travel light. Don't check anything. 
which is unusual for me. I almost always check a bag just because it's easier and I, could, I don't have to worry about how much I'm taking. Um, so I traveled with just my carry-on and I definitely avoided what I absolutely saw was chaos at the um, baggage claim area when I got off the plane. Ooh. Unfortunately, that didn't protect me from having to wait in line for over an hour uh, for passport control to enter the country. Mm. Uh, it was like, you know, wait in line, wait in line, wait in line, talk to the passport control agent for maybe 30 seconds and mm. off you go. Right. Because my story is fairly, fairly straightforward. I have a, a very Dutch sounding name. I have relatives. It's pretty clear of what I'm doing. Um, so it's not like they need to interrogate me very much, but it was, that was the only really frustrating part of, of travel at all. Even on the return trip, I ended up getting, it's funny here in the United States, they advise you get to the airport two hours before domestic flights, three hours before international flights. Right. What they were advising for the return trip was to get to Schiphol four hours before your flight, because the security lines were that long. Mm. Um, fortunately, I must have hit just the right time and just the right place. Uh, the security line wasn't nearly that long for me, and it, it was actually smooth sailing to leave the country. But um, but yeah, they've been having problems. They've been having big problems. Um, I will confirm your digital payments statement that you just made a few moments ago. I had euros in my pocket. Um, I actually touched them only once, but I never actually used them. Uh, the, uh, I used my either my phone or my card. I didn't end up uh, whipping mm. out the card a time or two when the payment processor wasn't handling the phone properly. But um, and there was one case where it just wouldn't take any of my cards. So I reached into my wallet for some actual old school money, to which at which point the person I was trying to pay said, "Well, you know, I, I can't make change." <laughs> we, don't have, we don't have any money and of course the, you know it was like a a seven euro fee for some uh touristy thing and all i had were 20s so um it was my cousin that reached out with her card and managed to pay the thing at the last minute but um that wow. was the only time i touched money and i dutifully carried money with me the entire time um and i used my phone absolutely everywhere even when i was um so one of the things i did different last time i was in the netherlands i rented a car Mm -hmm. And it's interesting driving there. It's a little different. It's you definitely have to pay much more attention to uh, bicycles on the road. One of the things I noted, uh, you know, told my cousin when I was there this time is that here, at least in Seattle, I don't know, it's probably true for most of the country. Uh, bicycles, legally, they probably have the right of way. But in reality, um, if you act like you have the right of way, you're going to get hit by a car who didn't see you or doesn't think the same way. Mm -hmm. Cars rule in the United States. Yeah. Um, in the Netherlands, it's the opposite. Uh, bicycles definitely have right of way and you better pay attention to it because they act like they have right of way. They will barrel through, um, you know, crosswalks and intersections and so forth. Rightfully so. When I say barrel through, I mean, it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm saying that they shouldn't. They should. It's the way things are done there. But if you come into the Netherlands with an American driving attitude, um, you're going to run into some problems pretty quick. So what I ended up doing instead was I actually used public transportation there. And I'm very, very jealous of their train system. They, um, I actually took the train from the airport to uh, my cousin, a, a, a you know, city not far from where my cousin lives, uh -huh. where they, they picked me up instead. And um, it's, it's, 
it's just wonderful. I mean, we, we don't have, especially in Seattle, it's quite the mess. Uh, but the United States in general, we, we don't necessarily do public transport really, really well. There are some spots where it works, but in general, not. In the case of the Netherlands, though, um, they've got it nailed. And that actually was a lot of fun. But what I was leading up to there is that what I ended up doing before I even got there was I installed their train, their train company, the, the, the institution that runs their trains. Mm -hmm. I installed their app on my phone. And not only did I get all of these train schedules, but I was able to pay for my tickets and scan myself in and all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, just by preparing ahead of time before I even before I even got there. That was actually kind of cool. And, and once again, I kind of wish that, um, you know, we, the, the United States, we um, had more options like that. I realize there are different challenges. Netherlands is a much smaller country, but right. um, they're, you know, they're doing it right. And it's actually very impressive to see. Mm. Um, in the, in the way of travel and along the lines of travel, uh, I've mentioned this, I think, gosh, one of my first trips to the Netherlands um, where I had rented a car, um, I just, I fired up Google Maps and Google Maps just worked. Mm. Uh, this turned out to be actually almost constant through this trip because in addition to using public transport, I also ended up, uh, borrowing a bicycle and bicycling around a fair amount. Um, it's not, again, unlike the United States, it's not at all uncommon to see 65-year-olds mm -hmm. running around on bicycles. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't feel, you know, I certainly didn't stick out like a sore thumb in that regard. I'm sure that um, my ability on the bicycle may have, you know, shown me <laughs> for an amateur, but um, uh, it was it was actually fun to go and do that. But once again, Google Maps, um, I had a particular destination in mind, uh, Google Maps got me there. It got me back. It understands bike paths. It understands, you know, how long it's going to take when you're biking versus walking versus driving. Um, that was actually very, very cool. In addition, um, my cousin, who uh, <laughs> she she worried about me a lot when I was out on my bicycle by myself, because ultimately, you know, I'm I'm a person in a foreign country. Uh, even though I speak the language kind of, um, it's still a, an odd experience. And like I said, they treat bicycles differently than they do here in the United States. Uh, but uh, we both have location sharing turned on. So not only did she not really have to even talk to me to know where I was, um, it was easy for me to know, you know, when they were getting close to picking me up the couple of times we went out to dinner, uh, you know, those kinds of things. It was Google Maps and location sharing together, especially in a scenario like this, turned out to be uh, very powerful and very reassuring <laughs> for, for not only the person traveling around the country, but for the person watching the other person travel around the country. Right. Uh, so that was pretty fun. Um, and yeah, connectivity in general. Um, I ended up uh, you know, using open Wi-Fi all the time. I happened to use Proton VPN. Uh, which I think I've got an article on Ask Leo coming up on here either this week or next. But the bottom line is that as a VPN, it worked really, really well. And I didn't notice any performance impacts, which was one of the things that I think um, most people are concerned about when they're using a VPN. Uh, but all in all, um, digital was great. The connectivity technology, it all just worked. Yeah. And, and that's all very, very cool. And not, not something that we... It's easy to take for granted when you're in that situation. And it's also easy to understand how nice it is when you're otherwise in a situation where it's not always quite that smooth. 
Yeah, I, I noticed the same thing in Iceland with um, – I was warned by somebody that, oh, don't expect to have any mobile phone service, like outside of Reykjavik. Forget it. I was like, oh, okay. Well, we got Wi-Fi at the cottage and stuff. Mm-hmm. I had service everywhere, almost everywhere. <laughs> I mean on the most back roads, you know, the things right. that you would expect not to – we had service like hikes miles into there's nothing but lava fields around still like 3g 4g usually Mm -hmm. uh service one time we went way off to some very little visited spot that i had heard about and it was way down a gravel road and it was way over some hills and we actually had a little bit of service where we put the car and then then as soon as we walked into the wilderness we lost it. Um, that was the only time. Right. I mean, besides that, I was amazed. Yeah. I was like, this yeah. is the opposite way. I mean, I could go from my house here in Colorado in the city. I know places I could drive and in 45 minutes, I'll be, you know, no service. Oh, absolutely. And, Same here. Yeah. Yeah. So All I was, need to do is travel impressed. east for about 20 minutes and we're out of service. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I mean, and I thought that it made more sense to me. I mean, it's a small area and it's a, you know, pretty, I mean, you know, the country's got a lot of things going for it. I was like, why wouldn't they have like mobile phone service everywhere? And they did. And it was, it was great. Yeah. As I mentioned, I was traveling light. Um, So what I, I did not take my, um, my, my quote unquote big camera um, or any of its smaller uh, compatriots. The only thing I took was my cell phone. Um, I, it's funny when I did take my laptop, of course, because at the end of the day, you know, that's, that's what I ended up wanting to check in on and so forth. I also ended up taking my iPad cause I figured there would be downtime. And I, I tend to use the iPad as my Kindle reader when I can, just mm-hmm. because it's a bigger screen and it's a much more comfortable reading experience. Uh, I think I use the iPad exactly once <laughs> and if I were to do it again, I probably would not throw it in my bag. I probably would just stick to the laptop and my, uh, I've got a Pixel 6 Pro, which is, you know, the larger of the of the handheld phones. Um, and that was sufficient. Any reading I did, which I did on the plane and so forth, um, and even audio, which again, I did on the plane and, and other places, um, it did just fine. Um, in ultimately, I realized that uh, I had more room even, you know, packing sparingly, you know, I had plenty of stuff, but I could have had more. I didn't need to pack. Traveling light really, really worked well for me. And I suspect that that'll become a thing for me in the past. It is definitely nice to be able to um, not have to check luggage and especially uh, even when things are working well, it's nice not to have to go wait for your luggage when you check it in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We also uh, traveled carry on only Mm -hmm. um, to avoid any luggage issues and um and we ran into the problem uh you know so you probably ran into this too where you're worried about if you're going to run out of space mm-hmm. in the you know overhead bins right uh right so you know and then we both had upgraded to like the plus seats for oh, just right. a little bit extra leg room yep. which put us towards the front of the plane which we realized as soon as we got there it was like oh no this actually is a minus because the people that are getting on first are getting for Iceland air. They board at the back first. Uh-huh. So actually, yeah, next time I would probably not pay for the extra leg room and pick a seat all the way in the back. Be one of the first people to get on the plane and be able to put your bag wherever you want. Um, right. As it was, I think we got like one of the first or the last two spots in the overhead compartments to put our bags, uh-huh. which 
really was not, you know, it's the kind of thing, it's like, it makes you so mad because we actually had backpacks, like real, like carry on backpack things, you know? Mm -hmm. And of course, so much of that space was taken up by people taking luggage, wheeled luggage that was mm -hmm. definitely too big for the, you know, specifications for carry ons. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, you know, it's like, ah, uh, so because these people took two bags that are too big and they're in the back of the plane, we're going to end up having to check our bags right at the gate here but we didn't have to um we were able to uh to do it and coming home i had the same problem and actually i was i found one of the last spots but it was a few rows behind me so it was that crapshoot of like when the plane lands right. i could be stuck in my seat until the plane is almost empty right because i can't get back there <laughs> to get so my to get bag, bag yep. but instead i just you know was like i sprung like a like a jungle cat out into the you know as soon as the plane landed and you heard those first couple of people take their seatbelts off yep. i was like click spring back <laughs> three rows back open the compartment grab my bag and back to my seat uh, you know as fast as i could i'm like all right <laughs> because once you're you know especially if you don't have to wait for your bags and you're going through customs and all that to get home and immigration right. and all to get home it's like man if i could get out of here i'm at the front of the plane if i can get out of here fast mm -hmm. and i've got a backpack on which means i'm not wheeling anything so i can walk faster than anybody i could be one of the first people online if there's not another flight arriving right and i could actually be home in my house like considerably faster yes, yes you know if i could get out of this plane quickly and so it makes a big uh big difference yeah i have to put in a good word for um so seattle uh, international arrivals they okay. went through a very expensive very large uh facilities upgrade uh, coincidentally during COVID, right? I mean, it started like a year before COVID hit um, and it completed while COVID was in force. Mm -hmm. But um, I've done the arrival experience now here in Seattle, both ways, the old way and the new way. And the new way, they've really done a nice job. Um, it's not only just a beautiful facility, but it actually works really, really well for handling the number of people that are coming through it. Yeah. Um, so that was actually a very pleasant experience, which is not something you normally say about going through customs. <laughs> right. It, when you when you arrived in the Netherlands, though, when you went through there, you mm -hmm. know, you got you got asked a bunch of questions, right? You know, oh, how long you're staying? And exactly. What you... Who are, you know? What, why are you here? And, um, you know, that kind of stuff. Yep. And yep. and did you when you left? Did you have? Did you get asked questions or? No, that's actually something that changed. Normally, yeah. um, in the past. Uh, when leaving Schiphol, yeah. rather than telling you your gate when you checked in, yeah. they gave you, what is it, E1 or something like that, which is not a gate at all. It was a place where there were a bunch of podiums with security guards and or you know whoever the, the security people were, and they would interview you on your way yeah. out. Um, that was gone. None of that was oh, there. Interesting. I had that. Well, I don't know exactly why. I was kind of pulled over leaving Iceland and oh, you're asked, a shady character. but yeah, maybe I, no, it was something strange. It was something I forget. It was just some stupid thing. And I was just, and then they ask you these questions, but it's always, you know, it's similar to the questions you get when you're going in. It's just a very bizarre set of questions. I mean, they all kind of make sense, right? but it's like out of context, the conversation is just very weird. You know, the questions they ask, you know, it's like the one question is about, do you have any fruit on you or something? Right, you right. know, and the next question is about like, so where were you staying in Reykjavik? You know, I mean, it's just, you know, weird kinds of things. It was just an odd, 
an, an odd thing. I think, oh, I think I know what it was because I, I was not traveling alone when I was in the country. I was traveling with a friend, but I'm leaving by myself. Oh. So I had answered the question, were you here ways, by right? yourself? No, I was traveling with a friend because it's one of the things you could say, traveling with right. a friend. Right. Oh, where's your friend? Oh, he's, no, he left this morning on a different flight. Really? Step over here. We need to talk to you more. Oh, <laughs> now wow. you're interesting. Yeah, because yeah. it's like, well, that's unusual. It's like, what, you know, what's, what was good? So you met somebody who left on a different flight? Mm, that's interesting. And they ask a lot. And it's just a very, you know, and the whole time it's like, I've got, you could take my bag apart, whatever you want to do. There's nothing, right? right? You're, I'm just going to answer your questions. And it's just amusing to listen to the questions. You feel like you're in, you know, it's like a similar feeling you get when you're answering the, um, the you know, I am not a robot questions online. You know, sometimes when you really think about it, it's like, can you identify the fire hydrants? It's like, it's, yes, it's I can. It's the departure capture. Yes. Yes, it's, it is like a departure capture. It's like, it's like they're trying to identify, they're trying to catch you. And are you doing something wrong by asking you really bizarre? Oh, so what did you most like? What did you most enjoy seeing in, you know, wherever? Right. You know, which, right. oh, which waterfalls did you visit? <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't remember the names. They all have Icelandic names. There was the really tall one. There was the really wide one, <laughs> you know, which are all like valid answers. Right. If, you know, that's what the answers are looking for. You right. know, it's like, oh, yeah, the tall one and the wide one. Oh, yeah, you're definitely a tourist. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. In my case, um, I will say that they did um, on entry into the Netherlands uh, through secure. Or no. Yeah, on entry. I'm trying to remember. They did, um, no, it was when I was leaving. That's right. They did pull my bag aside. You know how um, yeah. uh, when it goes through the x-ray machine, mm -hmm. there at least there's a an automated process where most of them come out to where you can pick them up. And then every once in a while, a bag gets shuffled off to the, to the left and it needs special handling. And my bag was that special handling. And all it really was was they wanted to do the... Uh, um, the explosive sniff, uh, you know, right. where they have a uh, some kind of a reactive material that they just sort of wipe around the bag and mm. uh, whatever. I passed; it didn't explode. <laughs> um, and uh, and again on the way back, it was also you know what have, what have you brought with you that kind of stuff. But that's the kind of stuff they asked on arrival in the United States. Um, you know, what have you yeah. got with you? What did you what did you bring? Because they're they're looking obviously for uh, you know food borne issues. I guess would be the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, me, I had, you know, Dutch cookies, Dutch chocolate, Dutch cheese, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and they didn't care about that at all. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't very different, you know, because I went last year to Hawaii and this time to Iceland and it was very different attitude, you know, because you've got one area, one island, right. Hawaii, where it's tropical, like right. anything you bring that's not supposed to be here is going to thrive here. Yes. It's the tropics. And then you go to ice and it's like, anything you bring, is not supposed to be here is going to die. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Iceland's like the only place in the world that mosquitoes can't survive. Right. You know, it's like, we're not worried about what seeds are on your boots or whatever. It's like, right. it's not gonna, we can't grow our own trees. You're not gonna, <laughs> whatever you brought with you is not gonna, not gonna be a threat. It's funny. That does remind me years ago when we made the, um, uh, when my wife and I went for an anniversary trip to Australia, New Zealand, on the flight from Australia to New Zealand, entering New Zealand, um, they asked us those kind of questions. You know, have yep. you been like in any zoos or things like that? And when all that, ultimately, they ended up taking our shoes and cleaning them for us. Yeah, I got that in New Zealand, too. I got they they took apart my tent. 
Like they actually took the tent out of the bag, uh-huh. spread it out, spread out all the poles and all of that. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then, you know, and also my boots, they did all these things with my boots. And I guess, you know, that's where they're trying to, you know, make sense. It's just the only problem is that they, they hand you back your tent completely unwrapped right and it's meant to pack in a certain way right. you know as a backpacking tent so they hand you all your tent back as a mound of stuff that you have to hold in your hands and then with your suitcase and you know you're not wearing your boots <laughs> and they say okay you can go oh great i've got 20 minutes to catch my connecting flight and i need to get my tent packed right back into my bag you know yep <sighs> anyway so yeah, yeah it was i mean uh, all in all, uh, you know, it was a really good experience. Very glad I went, had a good time. Um, yep. I'm sorry that I didn't do the the Iceland connection. In retrospect, had I been able to pull it off, um, we might have been able to connect there. I do. <laughs> it would have been the same timing. I do highly recommend for you to go to Iceland. Iceland? I think you yeah. really enjoy it. Bring your good camera. I was going to say, take I, the good camera. Yep. And you know what? The time of year I went, it almost seemed like perfect because I know there are big tourist seasons in the summer where it's all mm-hmm. the daylight, where you can, mm-hmm. you know, you could start at 3 a.m., travel all day and see all right. this stuff and then get home at 10 o'clock and it's not even dark yet. Um, I know that's like the peak season, but then you'd miss out on a possibility of seeing the Aurora. Right. Um, but, you know, the Which... fall, it wasn't that cold and it wasn't, the weather wasn't that bad. And I, and you, and we still got, we had word about the 12 hours of daylight, 12 hours of night. Right. Right. So. It's funny. Cause, um, two things. One, I've actually never seen the Aurora. Um, yeah. there's been a green glow to the North here once many, many mm. years ago, but it was nothing like the Aurora that I'm sure you saw. So that is definitely yeah. one of those bucket list items. Um, the other is I had that same thinking about timing, uh, for wow. my, for my trip to the Netherlands specifically because, um, you know, daylight. 12 hour, 12 on, 12 off is is mm-hmm. good. You don't want to go more than that. There were some issues that possibly could have caused me to um, have to take the trip at another time. Mm-hmm. And I probably would have pushed it into next spring where we could have still have done the 12, 12 thing. Cause I was definitely planning on um, doing some stuff outside while I was there. And I did. So cool. Yeah. Well, so yes, um, even though it's all about technology, it's all about the technology on our trips, and it was all uh, technology all of travel. Yeah. Pretty, pretty amazing stuff. Oh, that's the other thing. Um, I did, of course, watch the flight continuously on the seat back monitor, so I yeah. knew exactly where we were the entire time. Uh, I've also fired up um, Flight Radar. It's one of the apps on my phone. Mm-hmm. And if you connect it to Wi-Fi, you can actually see your plane and all the other planes in the area. Um, mm. That was kind of fun to watch in real time, even while I was in the plane, <laughs> right? So who's that plane that we're chasing? Oh, that's this, this flight so-and-so out of Amsterdam, you know, that kind oh, of neat. stuff. So it's a lot of fun. Huh. Anyway, which is actually an interesting transition into, ain't it cool? Yeah. Um, what I was going to bring this week, I was going to bring something else, a book that I listened to, but I'll save that for next week because I'm still listening to it. Um, I posted on, I think it was Twitter and a couple of other places the other day, a link to uh, a bunch of charts, weekly pop charts out on Spotify. But the thing that was interesting about it, the thing that's really got my attention is that these are like maybe 40 or 50 different charts of uh, the top songs in different countries. Mm-hmm. So for example, prior to this podcast, I was listening to the top hits in South Korea. 
And yesterday I was listening to the top hits out of Kazakhstan. Um, you know, those kinds of things. And it's and of course, before I left, I was listening to the top hits out of the Netherlands because, you know, I had to. But the interesting thing about this is a couple of things. One is I think it's really, really interesting to expand your music experience with um, the music of other cultures, especially right. current music of other cultures, because it's different, except when it's not. This is the thing that I find so incredibly, it's not frustrating, it's just funny as all get out. Uh, half the time when I would fire up, you know, like a Dutch radio station, for example, while I was there or while I was preparing to go there, I'd listen to American songs. Oh. If you go down these top, you know, these top lists, the popular songs in all these different countries, yes, there are country specific songs in their languages and so forth. But it's almost like every other song is something that you've heard something that you've heard here and it's in English by a, by a, a pop star that you would know or by an artist that you would know. Uh, and what's really funny is to see, okay, this song by this artist, it's popular here, it's popular in Kazakhstan, it's popular in South Korea, it's popular in, in, in uh, Netherlands. Um, it's just kind of eye-opening to understand both how different all these different cultures are and yet, how much they still have in common. Um, anyway, it's just fun to listen to. Um, I'll, there'll be a, a link in the show notes. It's really, really difficult. Uh, I've had a hard time finding this page that I talked about with all these top uh, popular lists from different countries. It's very difficult to find in the app, but I've got a link that I'll include in the show notes that will take you to Spotify on the web that will um, give you that list. Uh, but like I said, it's it's pretty cool. I like, I like listening to that kind of stuff. Well, I might have to change my ain't it cool, but uh, based on yours. Um, uh -oh. <laughs> so, well, no, but the thing is, it's weird because I, I won't have a link for you. Sorry, I'm not going to have a link for this. But I I visited what might be the smallest museum I've ever gone to when I was in Reykjavik. And it was a music re related museum, but it, it's along the same lines. Like when I go to a country, I like to sometimes try to listen to the music just like you did or sure. research like who were their famous artists, you know, that kind of thing. And it works when you go to countries like France or, you know, uh, even Sweden or well, definitely Sweden. And but Iceland is a little tough. There's one artist in particular we all know that is from Iceland, right? So okay, I'm familiar with her work and all, um, but I didn't really think much more about it except that I went to visit the Icelandic Punk Museum in Reykjavik, and it's an interesting museum because it's a museum in a bathroom. Um, they had an underground bathroom on their main strip there in the middle of town that they decommissioned at some point in favor of above ground bathrooms. And now it houses the punk museum. So it's like three bathroom stalls and a little room that have now been reshaped into a museum. But they didn't remove any of the actual fixtures. The toilets are still there, the walls, the doors, all of that. So, you know, in kind of the punk spirit of it. And the thing that was interesting about the museum is very well done. A lot of information you read on the walls, a lot of things like instruments and leather jackets and stuff like that. You, and you could actually try on the clothes that were there, even though they were real objects from, from that time. But it, apparently I gathered from the museum that Iceland really didn't have a modern music scene so much until the punk era. So the punk mm -hmm. era is kind of what gave birth to the modern rock and pop stuff that you hear from Iceland. This was like the beginnings of all of that. So even Bjork came out of this, and she's talked about a lot in there. 
And they had a really cool thing in addition to be able to play instruments that were there and put on like the you know, the leather jacket and stuff that were there. Uh, they had uh, records, vinyl records on the ceiling from some of the different groups that were talked about in the museum. And with headphones that you could grab from the ceiling and bring down and put on your head and on uh -huh. a loop was the music from that LP. And so you could actually, you learned about these groups and then you could listen to each one of them by just pulling these headphones down and listening from the ceiling. So I decided I was, I love music. I was really going to get into it. I was going to read everything. I was going to look at everything and I was going to listen to everything. Right. And I did. And there were a couple groups that I noted that I liked. And I, when I left, I went, of course I have my, I don't have Spotify, I have Apple music, right. but I was able to instantly go in and find all of those groups pretty much there in Apple music. Oh, cool. And before I got on the plane, or in fact, even the bus ride to get to the airport, I set them to download from Apple Music so they would be available offline. And I listened to Icelandic punk music on the bus ride and the plane back home. Awesome. <laughs> so kind of similar to what you're saying, almost like the opposite kind of thing. So uh, I'm going to make my Ain't It Cool without a link, or, you know, to just... Uh, oh, there's got to be a there's got to be a web page for that somewhere. We'll have to well, we'll have to see if we can't find it. There is, uh, you know, there's no real web. There's a Facebook page for the museum, um, but uh, but yeah, it's not. Uh, yeah, I, I could link to something for the museum, and then at least you could see what it is. So you about. have inspired me to um, add a second. Okay. Cool. Um, the Inacool because, edition of <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. The um, When one of the things I did uh, while I was there is I took a day and went to the city of Utrecht, um, just kind of did the touristy thing. I, I took the train into Utrecht and, you know, wandered around, you know, the middle of town. And um, as is typically typical, you know, it's, it's hundreds and hundreds of years old where here in the Seattle area, anything over about a hundred is really old. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the things that I ended up visiting was they call it the Museum Spale Clock. That is technically it is the Museum of uh, uh, Music Boxes, but oh. um, these are not your ordinary music boxes. These are everything from the small music boxes you might be um, uh, familiar with to larger player pianos to uh, larger player piano type things that have like instruments built in, um, including like violins and all these other things to what is more typical Dutch, large, what they call street organs or barrel organs, where you've got somebody who's basically turning a crank and this thing is playing music, um, you know, and it's like the size of a Volkswagen or bigger. Um, so, and this was actually turned out to be a fascinating, fascinating uh, visit that I hadn't planned on. I happened to tag in uh, at the beginning of a, uh, a curated tour. So they had mm -hmm. somebody actually taking a crowd of people through the various um, uh, displays and actually running some of these things. Uh, and it was, like I said, absolutely fascinating. It was fun to listen to these things um, in all their different um, different sizes and different techniques and the different ways that they ended up making music. One of the things that absolutely cracked me up is that there was a lot of these, especially the barrel organs um, and some of the smaller versions of them used, of all things, punch cards as oh. their quote-unquote program. Uh, so of course I, I cottoned onto that and said, you know, 
I, I know I know how that works. I know I've I've known punch <laughs> cards for some time. Um, so anyway, that was just a lot of fun. So yeah, there'll be a link to that. Um, it's going to point to the English version of I think their homepage, but um, two things. One is most of their web page is in Dutch, and um, the um, uh, Google Translate, if you happen to do that on most of these Dutch pages, does a pretty good job of uh, of of translating it into English that perhaps not grammatically correct, will be correct enough to get the ideas across. Cool. All right. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Um, Self-promotion. This week, I'm going to point you at, of all things, why ask why? Um, it is the question we always want answered whenever we hit our head against a problem with our technology, our computer. Why did they change it? Why did it do that? Why is this that way? Um, I won't spoil the answer. It's askleo.com slash 13312. Um, and I think it is, it's, it's, it's almost as much philosophy as it is technology. Yep. I read that. It's good. <laughs> um, and I'm going to just point to something a little more pedestrian. Just, uh, Apple came out with, uh, Ventura, you know, the new Mac OS that came out yesterday, Monday mm -hmm. from when we're recording this. So I've got my video on the, all the, the top new features, the rundown of all that. Cool. Yeah, I just realized we didn't talk at all about any of the new Apple stuff. We'll have to no. put that on the agenda for next week and maybe yep. touch on, on what's interesting and what's cool there. Sounds good. I think that pretty much does us for our return from hiatus. Uh, show notes are out at tehpodcast.com slash teh173. If you've got a question or a comment for us, you can always leave a comment there on the show notes page. We absolutely do see them. Thanks, as always, for listening and for hanging in there during our little hiatus. We will see you here again real soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.